Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. All right, so each week now for many, many years, because you can't calculate it out, we've been having the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS. Each week it's a business show. We try to help people learn something about business. Sometimes we'll have a founder on or a startup person who's just trying to introduce something out that has been very, very successful, and they want to let everybody know what's going on. But each week, we try to help business owners. That's our goal each week. And our we spell our name A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N because the only way to spell Brian is with an E. People that spell it B-R-Y-A-N or B-R-I-N, they just don't know how to spell. Maybe they're using the autocorrect on Apple. I don't know what's going on. But Brian is only spelled with an E. So I don't know why, 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 why people can't understand that Brian is spelled E-N and not A-N-R-I-N or Y-A-N or whatever it is. So. Tracy, some people want to know why there's an E in Brian, and you have some of the reasons. I wanted to try to figure out what it is. Well, I mean, I think we would be just absolutely remiss if we did not start with the E for engineer, right? <laughs> you know, that's the only button that the engineer does. The only time the engineer ever does that is when it's for the engineer, like for all the other ones. He doesn't remember. It's you like- know, kind of- I have to say, I did kind of notice that because we have lots of other things that we can celebrate, but whenever we talk about the engineer, we get really good crowd noise, so I don't know about that. Right, but um, I, don't, I don't hear it too often when we say yours, you know, so we're going to have to figure that out. Right? I know. Okay, well, but the real E, the E that we need to focus on is expert, and we have so many great experts that are guests on our show and, you know, the, the word expert gets thrown around a lot these days, like, I'm a guru, I'm an expert, I'm a subject matter expert, I'm a thought leader, all these things. But we know that the expert is defined by a very specific mathematical formula, which is you're investing 10,000 hours in your business category or your niche or your industry. And in order to accomplish that, you need to invest approximately three hours a week over the course of 52 weeks. So that math would take you all the way up to five years. And you and I both know, and everybody on the show has confirmed and told us so, that nobody's spending 40 hours when they're starting a business. They're spending way more than that. And so I'm thinking that learning curve gets shortcut by about two years, so three years to be an expert and get your 10,000 hours. Would you agree? Well, I would agree, but I, I know for a fact that the engineer can't figure out that 23 minus 17 is 6, and I'm certain that he can't figure those numbers out because those are way, way over his head, and he's the engineer. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to come back to a couple of the other E's, but I'm going to skip to empathy for a second because what is, that? what is your deal just driving the engineer down so hard today? You're not showing very much empathy. Oh, the, the, the truth. The truth hurts. The truth hurts. Be real. Okay. So let's if get you can't, back if to you can't take it with us, then you can't take it at all. 
So our, so our top three, so we have engineer, we have expert, and definitely our top three is education. And that's what we're all about on the App Brian Show. We really, contrary to popular belief on how we open this show, education is true. <laughs> I don't know. You were laughing so hard. I couldn't. You said something about education. That you don't have an yeah, education? I, what? What? No, of course I have an education. <laughs> I might not be a scholarly attorney. But I have an education in extensive amount of 10,000 times a million hours in communication, which is my education path. And, uh, but, uh, <laughs> and extensive has an E in it, too, by the way. Yes, it does. And, it, and, and we have an extensive library of E, one of which has to do with how we feel like enthusiasm or excitement or i'm sorry which one is the one that you like to choose excitement i'm so sorry listeners i really don't know why i subjected you to that but i did and it's my fault and Have i never heard of that these people don't remember that there used to be a guy named the screamer sam kinnison he was the screamer that's who we are. Yeah. And I could have yeah, said... You are. No, 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 no. Wait, no I could have said good morning no Vietnam meaning. like Robin Williams. You could have. I'm glad you did it. Well, we're not but in Vietnam. Just to, be clear, just to be clear, there's no we in Screamer. It's you. But there is an E in we. <laughs> there is an E in we, but it's an E little we. It's a we little E. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, this is getting ridiculous. Let's move on. <laughs> well, there are a couple of E's that you you haven't left out, and we got to go quick because our guest is going, what did I get myself into? Why am I here? And I'll never do this again. But anyway, one of the reasons why we have an E in Brian is for entrepreneur. So all of these people that are watching the show, many, many entrepreneurs are watching, okay? And we're not going to go through all the ones of excellence and experience because we got to go on and move on. But we do want to go over Tracy's, and we're going to get a little crowd laugh after we announce it. But grease lightning is what? Electrifying. A little, a little delayed response there, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right. Well, without any further ado, and how do you spell that? A D I E U. See, we're like Sesame Street for adults. All right. <laughs> anyway, is our guest there? Alex? I am here. How are you? And you know, Alex has an E in his name, too. I um, do. Wow. But anyway, Alex, so what we wanted to discuss with you today, you have a vast amount of experience, sales, marketing, operations, uh, building things. You're an engineer, too, I think. So the big question is, how do people get business? So let's start out with, you know, just a furniture store down the street, okay? Maybe he has the internet, maybe he doesn't. How is the furniture store down the street going to get business? What do they need to do? Give us some, try to figure that out. I know I threw you a curveball, but I love throwing curveballs because curve has an E in it. You know, you should have played baseball. Never mind that attorney thing. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a, that's a really good question. In today's world, we're talking about digital marketing for the most part, or just marketing in general. If you want to build a business, what you have to do is you have to get leads. And if you want to get leads, you have to be able to attract people. And if you want to attract people or eyeballs into people, you have to have some familiarity with what you're doing, whether your, your business is selling furniture or refinishing furniture, you know, a, a sales or, or a service, 
people have to know about you. And if they don't know about you, you know, you can have a, you can have a hard time at it. The furniture business, as you mentioned, you know, some of that is about having, you know, a good presence, location. It used to be in the good old days, it was location, location, location. Today in the web, well, you know, in the internet, your location could be your website. So realistically, you have to leverage what you do best and get your message out there to as many people as you can. And there's a bunch of ways to do that. And there's digital ways of doing it. There's traditional marketing ways of doing it. And of course, you know, nothing is better than firsthand experience, meaning reviews and people who are already promoting you. So lots of ways that we can discuss on how to do that. So we're going to go a different route today. So how do you get reviews? That's a good question. So the first thing is you have to have a presence. So let's, let's start with the basics of that. So what do you do and how do you tell people about it? So again, the biggest mistake that people make in marketing is thinking, well, I'm, I've got money this quarter and I'm going to spend it on marketing and it's going to give me results this quarter or maybe even next quarter. And, and it doesn't quite work like that. Where sales are something where the results happen relatively quickly or should happen relatively quickly. Your time to close should be shorter than, than you want. Furniture store, someone walks in the door, they walk in that door because they want to look at furniture and it's up to you to make sure you close that sale, right? But in marketing, it's often, well, I'm, you know, I have furniture, but maybe I'm moving in a year and I remember the name of, you know, Brian's furniture store with an E because I remember the E gig and I remember that little bit. And so I think about that again. So marketing is really all about getting familiarity. So familiarity, you know, is something that will always breed people's sales. So when you're talking about getting reviews, it's encouraging them. So if you have people, if you're mostly a brick and mortar store and you have people coming in to the store, you can literally entice them to go digital, assuming you have a place for them to land in a digital means to be able to get your reviews. So, you know, there's popular places. I mean, Yelp is a, is a great place for reviews. Google reviews is another great place that people look at. If you're a furniture store selling on Amazon, Amazon reviews are there. All those review sites are good. And then you can never forget about your own website because if you can do, and we'll talk about SEO, I'm sure, if you can talk about someone searching for it, reviews are ranked higher than the actual actual result of the store. So, you know, getting people to do it, well, the best way to do it is always the way that you do it. You, great service. But in the most part, you really want to entice them and have a reason for them to leave a review. And there's, there's lots of ways of doing that. So two things. One is, is any one of them better than the other? You mentioned Google. You mentioned Yelp. I'm not going to go to your website because obviously your website would be number one. But among outside third parties, not your website itself, you've got Yelp, you've got Google. I don't know what else is out there. Do you think Google is probably number one or you think Yelp is number one in terms of getting – where do you want the review placed? That is actually a fantastic question, and it really depends on the type of audience you have. So we're talking about what we'll call B2C or business to consumer. In the consumer sense, you know, consumer behavior is something that companies like Google and others have, have spent – literally hundreds of billions of dollars to, to master and to understand. And for the most part, all the review sites get used equally, but a lot of people will just use the number one search engine in the world, which is Google, and they'll ask that question. What is the best, you know, recliner in the world? 
and that's what they'll ask. So they'll say, what's the best recliner value? I, I'm talking furniture now, right? What's the best leather recliner? What's the best fabric recliner? They'll ask those things, and you'll find there are a number of sites that people can either pay to be on, or sometimes you actually own those sites, and they'll be like, best recliners of 2023. And you'll actually literally go there before you'll even go to a review site, and then it'll usually push you to some company where there'll be the review. Now, one of the things that I do believe work really well and they tie into reviews is that if you sell certain brands, you definitely want to be on their where to buy. And that's one of the cheapest, if you're a brick and mortar, especially something like a furniture store, you, you want to get with the manufacturer because they're the ones that are going to spend the most advertising dollars no matter where it is, and you want to leverage them. I mean, it's always about leverage. So when you're talking about Google, Google reviews, you're talking about Yelp, there's a number of other ones that are out there. For the most part, they're all about equal. People will look at all of them. They'll spend a couple minutes. They're never going to uh, just usually rely on one. There's a, a new technology called Best Reviews out there. You can literally go there and pay them, and they will build a site for you for the best review of, of a certain product. And then the other question is, and I'll make it short there, the question is, are you selling your own product or are you selling someone else's product? If you're selling your own product, you're going to go about things completely different than if you're selling someone else's product. And that's, again, if you're selling someone else's, you want to rely on the manufacturer to help you market, if that makes sense. So now a slightly different question, but still on that review section. I come to the website. I've never been to Ryan's Furniture, and I see 19 reviews. Okay. How do I know they're legit? Well, uh, yeah, that, that, that's always the, the problem, right? I mean, Amazon gets a lot of this. They say these are paid reviews. These are fake reviews. Fake. I, I mean, let, let's face it. You have to look at the numbers. And, and that's the fact. So this is a very interesting thing. You know, there's tells. If it's the first name, if it's the first name only and it praises 100% and it's, let's say, the first review, and it's, it's up at the top, I take it with a grain of salt, right? But you're not going to really, you're not going to really know. No, law of numbers says the more reviews someone has, the more believable they'll be. You know, it's the, I, I'll use the Amazon trade of this. When someone has 100% and they have five five-star reviews versus someone who has a thousand reviews and half of them are threes and half of them are twos and half of them are fives, I'll buy the product that has a thousand reviews first. And that's just because no one's going to fake up a thousand reviews. Not, not that you can't with technologies like AI today, but most people won't, won't do that. I, I mean, really the other way that you have to go is affiliate. So affiliates, I was mentioning early on that, Depending on where you are, whether you're advertising for yourself or having someone else do it, if you're selling a product or you're selling a service and someone else independently talks about it, such as an affiliate or someone reviews a product on, say, YouTube, you can pretty much read between the lines, as you love to say, and you can actually tell whether they're being honest or dishonest about it. And the more affiliate reviews you get, the better it's going to be. I mean, today, if I'm buying something, I'll use the number two search engine in the world, which is YouTube, and I will look for a review. And I will usually be very cautious, as most consumers are, to look for people who are more trustworthy, have a lot of subscribers, and are there. And they'll usually, as an affiliate, 
give a relatively accurate review of a product or a service. And, and that's really where a lot of people are going today. You're finding that far more often as the believable sense than even in Yelp or Google. Those are very interesting points. The question I have is, how does somebody who's starting out, so you've got 10 reviews, according to you, you're never going to get up there in the range because people are going to be looking at the site and they're going to say, well, there's only got 10 reviews, so I'm not going to buy that. How is that person with 10 reviews ever going to make it? Well, it depends on what you're doing, right? Like if we're, we're talking about Brian's Furniture, we realize that's a local establishment. It's not worldwide, right? You're going to have less people. You have to work on your quality of reviews. And again, there are services that will help you, and they're relatively inexpensive. They'll help you structure those reviews. They'll actually work with your customers to structure those reviews as very positive. I mean, it's a garbage in, garbage out. If you don't ask the right questions, you don't get the right answers. So you ask those questions. A lot of times you can do this on the phone. How was the service? How was the product? How was the delivery? All the things that people care about, and those are the pieces people want. So 10 reviews that have more relevant information are still better than a 1,000 reviews where they go, it was great. So that someone who doesn't have a 1,000 reviews, I would always ask them to structure the reviews so they cover the points that people care about most. And that's, a, that's up to you to do. I mean, it's just if you're a salesperson, a general manager, an owner of a company, you know what questions you're going to ask someone. And you know what questions you get all the time. How good is the product? What is the warranty? What's the delivery look like? What's the availability look like? You know, how do I pay for it? What's the flexibility of that? All those things that people care about, you should always cover in every single review. Again, it becomes this frequency builds familiarity, which is one of the top, you know, what I like to call one of the legs of the stool of marketing is the more frequency you have, that's why you just don't spend the money in one quarter and expect results the next. You take a small part of your budget every quarter and spend it. The same thing is the more familiar people are and the more frequent they hear the same information, the more they'll remember it, the more exciting it becomes and and excellent it becomes. So that's part of that as a teaching moment, always have that. And again, part of this is that you can reinforce this even if you're a, a small local business, through email marketing, which is always important, affiliates and influencers, which are important. And then if you can afford it, one of the greatest marketing tools for local is radio advertising. And especially if you can have someone who's not you, your customer also get up there and talk about how great the experience was. So there's a lot of ways to do that, to get feet in the door. And then, of course, you have to work on the other piece, which is the most important, which is conversion. You know, converting something that's a lead into a sale, and that's really what marketing is really all about. Well, Tracy likes to pivot, and she's going to take another pivot, and we're going to continue with the interview of Mr. Alex Grossman. And uh, Tracy, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, I, I love a pivot, but what I love more than anything is three legs of a three-legged stool. And I feel like that we only really ventured into one of them, and nobody needs a lopsided stool. So let's talk through those other two legs of the marketing stool, Alex. Sounds good, Tracy. Yeah, the stool is way more stable with more legs than one. Usually don't fall over. <laughs> but the, the first leg of that marketing stool is always frequency. So the more frequency you do, again, taking your budget, and allocating it 
weekly or monthly or quarterly to, well, I, I hate to use the term advertising, but just awareness, right? To awareness, however you want to call that. That's number one. Number two, the second leg of the stool is brand. If people don't know who you are and don't remember who you are, it's very, very difficult for them to have recall at a later date. You know, if we're talking about Brian's Furniture Store, people don't buy furniture every day, but they buy it when they move. They buy it every couple of years. Sometimes they buy it when they have new things like new babies or get married or get divorced, whatever it's going to be. They're often doing that, but they have to remember what they heard and where they are. So brand's important. And then the third thing is message. And message is really what you stand for. Some people call it your mission statement. Some people call it your value plank. Some people call it your value proposition. But it's really something very simple and easy, that catchphrase that gets people to understand what you do and where you are. And you, everybody can think of that. You know, I, I worked for a company that's really good on brand and message. It's called Apple. I spent a lot of years there. And, <laughs> I've never heard of that. And, and you, you, know, you know the brand, right? I mean, they don't have to tell you the brand. You see the Apple, and you pretty much know what it stands for. It means it's, you know, whether you love it or hate it, it's going to be high-end, and it's going to work. And, you know, they always, one of their messages for a long time is it just works. And people know that, and they associate that. You know, they don't feel bad. They don't go, what's the feature list of this iPhone? They just go, oh, the new iPhone came out. I got to buy it because I know it's going to work. It's from Apple. I'm not saying that someone just starting out can get to that brand or, or that, but there are ways of actually getting there. So you look at those three legs of the stool, frequency to build familiarity so that people are used to hearing the name and hearing the message, then the brand, the name, who you stand for, that message. And then, of course, the last piece is what is that message, you know? And if it's uh, Brian's furniture, you know, great furniture at great prices, that'll be something people can associate with, right? Best quality, lowest price. It's the new and improved message. There's a reason that when you walk into a supermarket or a store and you look on the shelves, you'll probably find new and improved on a hundred different products for the last 25 years. You think they're really new and improved? I'm not going to go there, but I would say that they know that works. You know, the, the big joke in advertising used to be if you put live nude girls, you know, in front of anything, people would stop and look. We know Brian would, but well, people would I stop would. and look. So <laughs> I'm looking now. I'm looking now while you're doing this so, interview. What are you talking about? <laughs> we have marginally stepped in the gutter this entire show, but we haven't actually crossed the line. So it's been good. Okay, so... You and I were talking about my journey, which is I've often spent a lot of resources and allocated a lot of resources towards marketing that for my building my brand and awareness externally, which I love to do because it's creative and it's fun and I see so much value in it. But at the same time, I feel like maybe I could have allocated those resources into areas, especially newly starting out a business and started allocating some of those resources into other areas, like for me, maybe lead generation or other things that, because you can have a fantastically beautiful brand with an amazing mission statement, but if you're not generating revenue to support it, then it can get complicated, right? So what are some of the marketing fallacies or, or myths, if you will, that people spend money on when they're first starting out that maybe they could save those resources and allocate them somewhere more efficiently? Now that, that opens a big Pandora's box. But in all reality, there's 
so many things that people will say, if I only knew this when I got started, I could have, you know, and, and, and end that sentence with made more money, been more successful, you know, not lost my business, you know, got profitable faster, you know, you name it, it's there. But there, the golden rules of that generally are this. You, you have to start with knowing what you want to do, what you stand for, and what your realistic goals are. And then you have to budget for them. So I think it's really simple in, in today's world. You know, if you're a business owner, especially if you have any social media presence at all, you're getting hit every day by the get rich quick scheme, the we can market for you, you know, give us $5,000 and we'll make your brand a billion dollars. You hear that every single day and people fall into those traps quite often. And I think you said it early on, the show is educational. The first thing to do is educate yourself. So the thing that I learned is, is not, don't take those things on face value, understand what successes they've had with other people in the same type of products or services you offer, and then make a determination whether you want to learn it and do it yourself or whether you want to learn enough and have someone else do it for you. So I've spent, you know, a lot of money in my career uh, t helping people. I've made a lot of money that way as well, but I've spent it myself making those mistakes. You know, doing the first thing that, that you do is, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do a blitz campaign and I'm going to get out there and tell everybody about it and I'm going to spend all my money in the first week and that's what I'm going to do. That's the number one mistake that people make. Take the budget and peanut butter spread it over time. There is no get rich quick. There is nothing that comes out of it. Well, I can't say there's nothing, but unicorns happen, but they're very infrequent. I, I, you know, I, I've only seen a couple of them in my life. It takes time. The golden rule is always, I'm a 20-year overnight success, right? That is all the truth of the matter. It doesn't happen overnight. You hear about it occasionally. You know, I invented the pet rock, and, you know, I made a billion dollars. That's such a unicorn. It's really all about hard work. So I say don't blitz it out there. Budget it and test. Another rule of marketing, maybe marketing 202, is know thy audience. So, we all think, we start a business, we all think we know who the target customer is. We know who the ideal customer profile, as we call it, the ICP is. But we really don't know. And the only way we know, and the only way we know what connects with the audience is to test. So I tell people all the time, you think it's a great marketing campaign, you think it's the best in the world, it appeals to you, but you're not the audience. So now it's time to get some different ideas and start testing. And then you'll know which ones work and which ones don't, which ones connect. And then testing is a constant thing as well. It's not just, well, I'm going to run this ad campaign over time or I'm going to, I'm going to have this messaging over time. The messaging can change. The ads can change. Let's face it, the world is a different place, you know, today than it was six months ago. You know, if you're, uh, if you're thinking about two years ago, six months, three years ago, you can't stay with the same messaging that you've had. So we had a pandemic thing. It changed everybody's messaging, right? So, so don't squeeze uh, the charm, right? Right. No, I, 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 you don't squeeze that charm. And when you got a pandemic, you no, don't walk without, without a mask. But that right? was a big campaign like 50 years ago. Don't squeeze the charm. Now people are yeah. looking at me like, uh, what did I take today? Because they don't know what I'm talking about, right? I constantly hear you say, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> like, what do I know? <laughs> Alka-Seltzer, that's what it is. That's, All right, go ahead. There we go. 
So I think that testing is really important. So getting your ideas out there and having them test quickly to smaller audiences and in target areas will tell you where you should or should not spend money. I think that's a mistake that Tracy mentioned. What, you know, how would you save money? What mistakes would you not make? One of the biggest mistakes that people make is they go, I got it. This is the perfect idea. It's going to connect and it doesn't work. And, you know, I'll, I'll relate this back to, you know, when I was younger, we listened to a lot of different rock bands, if you want to call them those. And they always had that number one single that they, you know, they put as the number one single on the album. They released the album or the CD before they got radio play. And it was always like the B side that might have hit or it was the full song on the record that might have hit. They were 100% sure it was that first song on the record and really it was the fourth song. So you never know with your audience what's going to connect, where it's going to connect and how. So testing is an important thing to do. Thanks a lot. Tracy, over to you. Oh, right. Well, you've provided so many great tips and I honestly wish that we could just literally talk for a whole other hour, but we can't. But if someone wanted to continue this conversation with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect to ask, to continue asking you questions about your amazing resources and insights? Well, Tracy, I'm always available to answer any questions. And I do help some companies with their problems they have in getting their name out there in marketing. And the easiest way to reach me is alexormedia.com. So it's alex at alex or media, that's the number four, media.com. And, and yes, uh, yes, Brian, I didn't use the spell check. I put a, a number four in there. Yes, thank you. I just thought you couldn't spell, but that's okay. Is the order correct on Apple, right? You know, I got it. No problem. Exactly. I use the same one for Ask Brian uh, and, and Legal Steps, by the way. There you go. Well, my first business was incorporated at 3 a.m. with the number three, so I get it. But I always spelled it out for the website URL, P-H-R-E-E-D-M. But anyway. Okay, so for all these URLs that are flying around and email addresses and then also to retroactively capture all of the great insights that you shared about the three-legged marketing store, we are going to have all of this available for you as a podcast episode. And, of course, it's the Ask Brian podcast. That's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. This episode will be live and available on all of the platforms where you find your favorite podcast. And most importantly to note, is that all of the details are in the show notes. So Alex's email address and the resources and things that were shared, sponsor mentions and links, and all of those things are available to you. So don't stop in traffic to have to write it down. Just go find the podcast, download it, and listen to us. And we're always grateful for a little review, five-star, if you please, on that platform. So thank you so much. Peter? Thanks, Tracy. So you can go to any place to get the podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you want, right? Wherever you want. And it's on iHeartMedia, Spotify, Apple, SiriusXM, Pandora, you name it. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, that's great. Thanks a lot, Trace. Alex, so the question we have, and the switchboard's been lit up, bing, bing, bing. Everyone's asking the same question. So you went over the three-step stool here of all the different ways of testing and marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And people are asking, well, how long do I do it to know whether or not it's working? That is one of the questions that we get all the time. When should I see positive results? Well, sometimes you're going to see results in a day. Sometimes you're going to see them in a week. Sometimes you're going to see them in a month. 
and usually we say any campaign that you run before you can do the metrics on the campaign, look at the, look at the key performance indicators that came out of that campaign. It's really three months minimal. And I know people are excited and they go, I need results today. I need it tomorrow, but you're going to start seeing results. It's the conversion rate. It's really a lead to a sale conversion that can take time. And you know, if you hit it right and your, your AB testing is say the first 30 days, you should see results in the first couple of days. If you don't see any leads coming through in a week, I'd look at what you're doing and take a really, really good back step and go, am I doing the right thing? Cause I'm, I'm making a mistake, but three months is where we say you can go evaluate it and go, did I do a good job or not? Well, that's interesting. I think most business people would think less than that, but uh, so that that's a very good criteria. Now you're, you're focusing solely on digital marketing, right? But the furniture store, how are they going to know whether or not their marketing is working? Because remember they have that little shop there and they have a couple of reviews on Yelp and, and you know, you're going to buy a, a bed, what, every 20 years? So, I mean, how, how do they know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's foot traffic and it's really asking your customers, how'd you hear about us? You know, what made you stop in today? What are you looking for? People usually answer those questions. They love to talk about themselves. I mean, I think a sandwich board out front that says sale is a win for any, if you're legally allowed to do that, depending on the city you're in, is a win for any business. Sale or special, any of those words that just turn people on, save 10% only this week, you know, save 40% now. Those things work. They generally make people do it. Amazon does something called Prime Days where you're probably not getting a better deal than any other day of the year on 90% of the products, yet people buy the things that aren't on the Prime Day sale just because of the frenzy that happens. It's like the, the lottery, $1.55 billion or whatever it was last week. Yes, I bought a ticket, and I haven't bought a ticket in five years. And you didn't so win? We go. You didn't win? I didn't win, unfortunately. If I did, I probably wouldn't be talking to you. So. <laughs> <Thanks> uh, <a laughs> <laughs> right, we got to go. Well, not, a, not in this venue. Thank you. We, we got to go. I just want to say one last thing that you mentioned. McDonald's has over 5 billion or over 10 billion served. So that's probably a good marketing thing that they're doing. Thanks a lot, Alex. <laughs> we'll be talking to you soon. You're listening to the Aspiring Radio Show on KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.